UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal will fly to two. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, Howling in the Street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Oh, you know what? Should I change my name? Hey guys, welcome back to the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have another fascinating guest with me today. Um, someone who does the MUFON um, What's Up podcast, um, which I, I, I watch all the time. I, I mean, I love MUFON and what they do, but um, I, she's a star investigator for MUFON. Who I have with me is Katie Page, and she's is Colorado's MUFON state director. And as I said, she's a star investigator for MUFON and is the team lead administrator for MUFON's Mars team. She's the host of MUFON What's Up radio broadcast on KGRADatabase.com. Katie also conducts independent investigations and research. She's been a presenter at several conferences and has appeared on many radio shows and podcasts, including Coast to Coast with George Knapp, Spaced Out Radio, uh, Coast to Coast, Dark Becomes Light with Heidi Hollis, and many more. Most recently, Katie can be seen on Travel Channel's UFO Witness. That's amazing. Guys Beyond Belief with George Norrie, Small Town Monsters on the Trail of UFOs Night Visitors, and will appear on Ron James' new show film, Accidental Truth. Caters the author of Letters of Love and Light, Four Decades of UFO Encounters, Experience a Sighting Shared with UFOologist Leo Sprinkle, who's a legend. And she's currently writing her second book, A High Strangest on a Colorado Ranch, the Colorado Skinwalker Ranch, Craft Cattle, Copters, Cryptids, Cover-Ups. Katie has personal ties to the Colorado Ranch. This is what motivated her interest in ufology, to find answers to all experiences. I want to give her a big warm welcome to the show. Katie, thank you for, oh, and, and it's Katie Page, by the way. I may make sure I pronounce that right. Um, and uh, Katie, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a fun conversation. Um, so let me ask you this: like, how did you get your interest in ufology, and um, and then what led you to become a star investigator for MUFON? Like, that's pretty, right. and 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 ultimately the Colorado MUFON state director. Well, like so many people, I'm sure most of your listeners out there, we're all here because we have our own unique experiences, um, both with UFOs, paranormal. I'm one of those that believe they're connected. Um, and I've had experience since I was really a young girl, actually. Um, my grandfather even had a sighting in Wisconsin um, over Lake Como, and that was investigated by J. Allen Hynek. So I kind of grew up hearing about my grandfather's sighting. He was a Navy man. Um, and then we had a couple sightings of this oblong craft right over. We lived in Illinois. So we'd go from Wisconsin to Illinois and there's a little town called Richmond. And when I was young, my mom always joked like, oh, we saw this craft hovering above the ground. It was about the size of a billboard. We pulled the Buick over. And she said, that's when you were zapped because I was like two and a half years old and I was catatonic after that sighting. So I kind of grew up with that. But then later, you know, we moved to Colorado years later 
And my mom started dating this gentleman. She worked for United Airlines and she started dating this gentleman who um, owned a cattle ranch out in Elbert County, Colorado. And a lot of really high strangest, unusual activity happened out on that ranch property. I didn't live there full time, but my sister, my mom, and I would visit on the weekends and would be out there from time to time because the younger two boys lived with us during the week to go to a larger school district. It's kind of a long story, but anyway, so I got into the, we were threatened and were not to talk about what happened there. I never knew anybody knew anything about this ranch property or what had happened out there. And so I, I guess it was like in 2003, 2004, I started really getting into watching the ghost hunters and I started going on like the Stanley hotel, you know, um, trips with the ghost hunters. And we did St. Augustine lighthouse and all that. And so one day I was watching a presentation, you know, there was a, like a UFO show that came after ghost hunters and they talked about MUFON and I looked it up on the computer. I'm like, what the heck's MUFON? joined, came right in as a field investigator. And I've been a field investigator with MUFON since 2012 and sort of worked my way up in the state. And that's how I became state director eventually. But I really kind of started just to answer my own questions, like so many of us do, you know, like have you had very, a lot of like paranormal experiences and, and tied into UFO experiences as well. Like, like recently, um, like when you would go on these ghost tours, like, would you, would you experience stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had, I, I, I kind of say this in joking, because I, it took me a long time to kind of be on board with the UFO phenomenon. I kind of came in as a skeptical person on the phenomenon. And I like data and I like research. And even though I had some unusual experiences, I always wondered how much of it was military connected or black access projects or, you know, MK mind control or things like that. So, um, you know, and abductions and all that. Since then, I've I've come around now after all the evidence, I really believe there's something to the phenomenon, but it took me years to get there. But with the paranormal side of things, which I always compartmentalized, I always kept them separate in a sense. And I was like, ask me if I believe in ghosts. And I'd tell you 150,000%. I absolutely do because I've experienced so much wealth with the death of my father and my brother and my dad, who never believed in anything. I'm um, actually, when his third wife passed away in the house, he started having really, really just crazy supernatural things happen to him so much. So he moved out of the house and we moved in for a while, but that's a whole other podcast and a whole other story, but absolutely. I've had paranormal things happen much more than I've had UFO things happen. And I always separated them. That is until though, our skinwalkers at the Pentagon started talking about this hitchhiker phenomenon. And I went, oh, maybe they're all connected. Not only are paranormal things connected, but I also think Bigfoot sightings are connected too. For the fans that don't know, because some, a lot of, I think there's a lot of people still like waking up, like, but me, you and I, we know what the hitchhiker thing is, but can you explain to people about skinwalkers in the Pentagon and the hitchhiker effect and stuff like that? Right. Um, what we're finding is, and, and, you, you know, I think it was, um, Grant Cameron actually wrote a book called The Contact Modalities. I just received it. So I just, I'm like two chapters in, but really what this talks about are like near-death experiences, um, paranormal experience, psychic experiences, shadow people experiences, light energy experiences. And that I think these, all these experiences are tied together because I think we're like kind of piercing the veil of interdimensionality or being able to see across energetically um, a whole different reality. I mean, you even get into talking about DMT, right? 
um, and drugs and being able to see into this other realm. And I think all of these phenomenon live there, both ET, um, you know, we talk about abduction and contactees. So in writing my book, Letters of Love and Light, um, about Dr. Leo Sprinkle, which I can kind of touch base on why I did that, Dr. So let me back up a little bit. I found out that other people knew about the Colorado Ranch because of Hunt for the Skinwalker. Okay. In this book, there's a chapter called Other Hot Spots. And they talk several pages about the Colorado Ranch in there. And that's why I I was like shocked. I couldn't believe I'm like, oh my God, that's that's the property. And so in there, I learned that Dr. Leo Sprinkle was one of the original investigators out there. There were actually three PhDs out there researching the ranch. And so I went there for selfish reasons to get the, um, all the documents and that on the ranch property. And what I found were 74 boxes of letters that were written to Dr. Sprinkle from around the world both from contactees and abductees. And the difference between an abductee and a contactee, which I'm sure many of your listeners know, you know, a contactee often gets mental communication with other ET beings, whether it's in a dream state or a meditative state, an out-of-body and near-death experience state, while abductions are physically like Travis Walton, you know, that you're taken aboard and and perhaps getting you know experiments done on you. Right. so those are the differences but um i ended up just getting lost in these letters because they're just so full of information and we learn so much from each other you know listening to other people's experiences and connecting those dots there's still he's an o, he's an og dr leo sprinkle i didn't mean to almost cut you. i was so excited to tell you that there's still an interview with him on from with art bell back in the day like about reincarnation and, and the ufo phenomenon which i found oh, fascinating good. by the way i thought it was like the most amazing thing but um like these letters to dr sprinkle what were people explaining if you don't mind talking about it yeah so what i ended up it took me three and a half years to put this book together and what i ended up doing was i um organized them. I kind of pulled out. I thought if I found these parts of the letter really juicy and interesting, I figured others would too. And then once I did that, I kind of categorized them into different chapters. So like one of the chapters is ET craft descriptions. You know, how are people um, describing ETs that they're seeing? Because I want to know what you saw and what she saw and what he saw and do they look alike and, and that kind of thing. And same with the craft. I also found it really fascinating to look at how the phenomenon changes through the decades. Like in the 70s and 80s, we had more on the ground, close encounter sightings. And I don't know if it's because of the movie Close Encounters that came out in 1977 or what, or, or, you know, and we had a lot of like electromagnetic effects on trucks and cars and UFOs over power lines and things like that, where we're having less of that today. Today, being you know the MUFON state director, we have a lot of tic-tac-shaped objects again, popular media, right? The Nimitz and tic-tacs. And so it's interesting to see how the phenomenon changes through the decades. But other things were like hypnosis. And, and Dr. Leo did put me under for an hour and a half. And the whole process of going under hypnosis was quite different than what I thought it would be. So that, that was fascinating. A lot of people wrote about that. I have a chapter on implants. Um, I have a chapter on ET communication, which is also like, was this a dream or was it a memory? So many people wrote to Dr. Sprinkle about having these very lucid dreams. And it felt so real to them that 
it just could, it, they couldn't compare it to regular dreams that they were having. So I thought that was really interesting. I have letters from children. So there's a chapter for letters from children because Dr. Sprinkle would travel to different schools and talk. So he was really a pioneer in the field. He was way ahead of his time and he was such a sweetheart. And what do you think he thought about abductions? And what do you think about abductions? Do you think they're happening on a physical level or an astral level? Or would you say kind of both or? I think both. I'm just talking from, um, I talk to more what I would consider contactees than I do abductees. Um, but I do think both is happening. So I think they can communicate with us in both ways. I think when we're physically taken, they're taking us for genetic reasons. They're grabbing, you know, samples of our DNA, or maybe they're following a family line, oftentimes abductees. Um, and contactee both actually follow family generational lines. So chances are, if you feel like you're a contactee or an abductee, I bet if you go ask grandpa or uncle or aunt or somebody, they too have had a similar experience. So I think when we're physically taken, they're actually needing something from our physical bodies. But most of the time they'll communicate with us via lucid dreaming or meditation or other different, if you're awake to the situation through signs and symbols and things like that. Yeah. And, and you, 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 I'm like real evidence-based like you. So when you were researching this stuff with Dr. Sprinkle or, or about the letters that people wrote to Dr. Sprinkle and just your own personal research being a MUFON state director, do you think that we've, I mean, and, and I know the answer to this, but like, I just want the audience to hear, do you think we have enough evidence to say that abductions were definitely happening? I don't think, we, no, I'm going to say no, that we don't have wow. enough evidence. That's good. I love that because it gives us like a, a point of discussion as to where we can examine this and see what really is happening. And what do we think is, you know, possibly the, what right. is going on? You know, it's I'm to... all about evidence and research. And I think there's nothing more important than our history. And, and I'm a really good friend of David Marler's. Um, you know, he's outside of Albuquerque and I've been to his archives several, several times. And I just was there a few weeks ago and we had this discussion. Um, so much, uh, so much of my questions are how much is the military involved and why not only with abductions and, and, black access projects, but with the cattle mutilations as well, because out there that's, so the ranch that I spent time on, that's where Linda Moulton Howe got her start. She was an investigative journalist out there at the time. And they were mutilations, not only of cattle, but of sheep, horse, cow, you know, of course, Snippy, the horse, Dr. Sprinkle was involved in out in <laughs> yeah, San Luis Valley. Um, but, you know, and this not only affected Albert County and Colorado, Colorado was hit the heaviest, but you know, Montana, Wyoming, Kansas, Nebraska, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, all across the plains. And recently, um, I can't remember who it was we had on our podcast. Hmm. I can't remember which guest it was, but they, but they said that in essence, that the cattle mutilations have been solved that they were all military. They were all done by covert military operations, testing the groundwaters and taking the tongues and the eyes and the organs to see how nuclear waste or nuclear fallout was affecting the cattle. Okay. I believe that may be true for 80% of the cases, but I've interviewed ranchers and other people that that just doesn't make any sense. The evidence doesn't fit with what they're telling me. Um, so I think it's partially true and same goes with an abduction. You asked me if I believe we have enough evidence. I think we have thousands upon thousands of, um, 
testimonies from abductees. That's what we have. But has anybody brought back anything that's really tangible? No, they haven't. Do we, you know what I'm saying? So I would love for that to happen, but apparently maybe there's something keeping us from being able to do that. Um, that doesn't mean I don't believe that contact isn't being made. I do believe contact is being made. And I, I guess there's a sequence of questions we can ask ourselves. And I, I did this for myself kind of processing this. A, do we believe there's other life in the universe? And I think that's an easy yes, right? For most people. And then the next question is, do we think they have the technology or abilities to get to planet Earth? That one's tricky for some people that are really grounded in science because they're like, well, wait a minute, that's impossible. We can't try. But I've come to the conclusion that, yes, I believe that 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 is possible. The next question would be, if we were to go to another planet, would we abduct the, the life forms that were living there? And I think that's an obvious yes. So I think they would do the same for us. And in fact, there's a lot of people that believe they actually manipulated our DNA and that that's a possibility as well. So when you think of it logically like that, I do believe, you know, that they have abducted people, but as far as evidence goes, I wish we could find more of it. Yeah, it's it's not. But do you think the cattle mutilations point towards evidence of contact? Oh, that's an interesting question. It's tough, I think right? it could point to the evidence of maybe some sort of genetic modifications or genetic engineering or who knows what they're doing. I mean, it, it kind of can be a joke for some researchers, like maybe they just want some T-bone steaks or filet, but they're not taking that part of the cattle. I mean, they're taking my, my, favorite, <laughs> inter <laughs> my favorite interview I did regarding a mutilation um, was with a family that pioneered the area of Kiowa, Colorado. It's out in Elbert County. And in fact, if you go to the, the museum out there, you see pictures of her, all her ancestors. Okay. So, and they have roads named after them and everything, but right out of high school, she got married and moved to a town called Rama, Colorado, which is just right on the border of Elbert County. And they were miles and miles off the County road. Okay. Her husband was out on the hor on horse, checking the cows for calves. And he came across a dead calf. And the calf had four incisions in a perfect square, cut, 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 cut. And the top of the fur was removed, but the skin was still there, but the calf was dead. And he thought, whoa, this is really strange. So he gets on the horse, rides back to the ranch house and gets my witness. And they drive back in the pickup truck. And that took about 20 to 25 minutes. When they got back, that calf had been completely mutilated, cauterized oh incisions, organs removed, blood drained. And the cool thing is on Facebook, she's like, you're not going to believe this, but I have the Polaroid pictures from that. So she sent me the Polaroid pictures from that mutilation from that calf. And she also sent me pictures of calves that had coyotes eat them. And when a coyote attacks a calf, they jump on their rear ends and they eat at them alive. It looks completely different. Sorry for the graphic nature. No, it's but right. what's interesting about this case is no helicopter sounds, no dust. I mean, the horse tracks were still around there. No car tracks, tire tracks, they're miles off the county road. So she's like, it wasn't like somebody could have just pulled off to the side of the road and did this. Um, she said it was eerie. It felt evil. She felt like they were being watched. So to me, that was an ET mutilation. That was not the military doing that. And that, and that seems like that's kind of like an interdimensional thing, because how would they 
leave and then all of a sudden it just ends up mutilated like that it seems like and i guess we use the term interdimensional a lot because we don't really understand what another dimension is because not many of us have experienced it i mean people say they go on dmt trips and they experience other dimensions but none of us really have the we don't i mean like we there's string theory and stuff like that so we have an idea that maybe other dimensions exist but like i think a lot of times it's easy to say that right it's interdimensional but we even (laughs) I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Like, you know what well, I'm trying to I mean, say? Interestingly enough, I mean, one of my favorite, you know, thinking of the Skinwalker or the Skinwalker Ranch is, you know, when they talked about those military um, officers there on the ranch and some had night vision and others did not. And they saw this portal open and this creature kind of crawl out of it or whatever. Um, I do believe that portals, if you want to call them portals or interdimensionality is a piece of this puzzle. I think it explains so many things and I don't want to use that as an easy excuse, but just like the Bigfoot creatures that were seen out in Elbert County in Kiowa, this is a place that's pretty rural. I mean, we do have patches of Ponderosa pines and there's some hills, but it's not like, I hate to use the word squatchy, but it's not like, you know, up in Bailey, Colorado and the Rocky mountains where these creatures could live and hide all the time. This is a place where these creatures could not hide. And we had evidence out there. We had castings, we had hair samples that were taken. They were seen by multiple, multiple witnesses, um, big tracks in the snow, everything. Now, could this been a stunt from the military out there doing operations? Uh, That's an option that's possible, but most likely they're interdimensional beings. And in fact, my older sister out there, I was nine to 12 years old during this time. My sister was 15, 16 and 17. So she has better memories than I do. And she is even more scientifically grounded. She does um, radio broadcasting coast to coast. And so she doesn't talk about it publicly a lot because you know how they are in media, but she'll basically tell you like, oh yeah, those Bigfoot creatures, they were connected to the craft. They were either like workers or bodyguards, or they were connected directly to the craft out there on the ranch. So, and in fact, there's a really good book by Stan Gordon that talks about some of these Sasquatch or Bigfoot creatures in craft connections. I love Stan. I'm, I'm from the same yeah. state as Stan. I've interviewed oh, him. Oh, are you? Couple, yeah, he's from uh, Western Pennsylvania. Like, I tell people this all the time that, like, he, you know, I try to give people, like, info on Stan Gordon because, to me, he's like a legend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because um, I even met him at a UFO conference here in Pittsburgh. Like, I, I'm from Pittsburgh. It's more like Westmoreland County. But if you're if you've ever been to Pittsburgh, you might know what I'm talking about. If you don't, yeah. then. But me and Stan are actually from the same county, believe it or not. Like that's. How, oh wow! Yeah. So, so he's of, actually um, one of his quotes is in in my book there. But um, I didn't know you were in Pennsylvania, so. When you mentioned in my bio that I'm the head of the administrator for the MUFON Mars project, a lot of people don't know what that is. And that stands for MUFON's Archive Research and Redacting System. And um, so those are all the pre-CMS or pre-computer cases from 1969 to like the mid-1990s. And there's over 10,000 cases in that file. And while I was going through, we had a team of redactors that were taking out all the personal private information from these cases. And in that file was a case from Ohio Pile, Pennsylvania. And it's called the UFO creature case. Do you know of this case? No. Oh my gosh. It is almost identical to the Colorado ranch. We're talking multiple witnesses, police officers being called. They're shooting at these big feet, Bigfoot creatures. Um, 
lights in the sky, orbs in the sky, UFOs, ET beings, same time frame, all this. I mean, it's almost identical. And that that was in Ohio, Ohio, Pennsylvania. And what's really fascinating about Ohio, Ohio, Pennsylvania and the UFO. Oh, there's my puppy. <laughs> I had just a bunch of stuff just fall over talking paranormal. Anyway, um, if you Artemis, Artemis, it's okay. Um, if you put a pin in Google Earth in Ohio, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and you put a pin at the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, it's like parallel. Really? So, and then you have Harley Woods that's kind of right in there. So there's this interest. Let me, well, she's okay. She'll calm down. Um, and they're really highly magnetic areas. Artemis? Yeah, have you ever heard this? I was wondering if you ever heard. I, I know Stan talks about this a lot. Um, the, 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 Hold on, the, let me grab her. Hold on. Okay, I'll pause it. <laughs> Sorry. Let me, let me pause the recording. Uh, Stan tells me about this place hey, here. Hey. He wrote a book about it. It's called The Chestnut Ridge, which goes from yeah. West Virginia all the way into Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania, which is like really active with all the stuff you just talked about. Have you heard about this? I, I haven't, no. It's, it's interesting to say the least. It's a huge stretch of land. Like supposedly there's a county here in Pennsylvania that's really active. It's called Fayette. It's right near me. But I okay. mean, like, you know, and Stan's been reporting these things for years. And, but like, I, I just like, like to see the parallels of what we have here in like other states, because one, this, it proves that there's something definitely going on. And I think we all know that, but I mean, it's just like, it's like going back to that thing, like evidence. I love evidence. You know what I mean? Right. And, and and also it seems like we're at a time where this information, maybe it's because of the internet, maybe people are experiencing more things, maybe all the above. Like, it just seems like a lot is happening right now. I don't know if they say we're in an awakening period. Maybe it's all that. Maybe the veil is thinning. I mean, what do you think is going on right now with like contact? And like, do you think it's happening more? Well, I think a couple of things are happening. <laughs> Artemis, come here, come here. Um, I think a couple of things are happening. I think that um, I'm one of those people who's kind of untrusting of the of the, uh, of the government. Um, so I'm a little, hold on. Okay, I'll pause it. Ben. I'm, I'm untrusting of the government too. Um, I, I'm yeah, a, I'm so, um, yeah. So, oh, now I can hear better too. Um, so what I was going to say is I think there's a couple of things going on. I think uh, a, a big section of the population is being woken up, right? Enlightened or, or whatever. And then I think there's a, a narrative that's being steered, um, which kind of um, scares me a little bit. Like what, what is the bottom line and what's the end game and what are they trying to do when it comes to the UFO phenomenon? So I'm not overly trusting of what's happening right now. So you think it's like that, like they're going to do the alien invasion type thing, maybe? Possibly. I hope not. I hope it's not that. <laughs> I hope we're, I hope that's not what it is. But there are some that believe that that could happen as a way to control, you know. I, I've heard this. And, and, yeah. and but um, I, I don't think, I mean, see, I think the people that know, know that they've been in contact with us. And I, yeah, sure, people get abducted and they get these have bad stories, but they've never really, well, I don't know if I can say that because I was just listening to a show that Butch Witkowski did before he died. Rest in peace, Butch. He was a great researcher. He did with Art Bell on human mutilations. Have you ever looked into that at all? A little bit. I have a good, my good friend, um, I'm going to take this out, my good friend, Jeremy Ray, um, kind of 
um, showed me a few things about that. And, and it's quite scary. And then we go, of course, go into David Pilates and Missing 411. And, um, you know, he is just coming out with a new film. He was just, he just did a presentation with my good friend, Stacy Wright out there for Phoenix MUFON just last weekend. And he has a new film on the missing 411 and the UFO connection, which I'm really excited about because for the longest time, he wouldn't really connect that. I know. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, finally, we're getting that no, information when, because when I do believe out? it's connected. I'm not sure what the release date is, but I know there's a trailer out for it. So I'm sure you can look it up. That's the trailer amazing. for it. So he's yeah. coming to conclusions that possibly it's connected. Yeah, making... finally. Yeah, I think we all kind of were kind of always pushing him like, come on, it's got to be. Um, and so I'm really excited to see that new film that he came out with. But um, yeah, I do believe that that human mutilations are a thing. And, and if that's true, if there is some sort of ET race out there doing human mutilations and abducting people and not bringing them back, that's really scary because in his book also, he talks about how, you know, certain type of, you know, German physicists are being taken or people with PhDs or a certain demographic is being taken. Like, why are they taking these people? I mean, you know, that's I mean, that's so pretty strange. scary to think about. That is, that is, that mm -hmm. is, that, I mean, it's, it's like, I like to think that when I walk down the street at night, I can handle myself. You know, if I go for yeah. one late at night, but right. I don't think I could overcome something like that, you know, like, because right. they, they can paralyze people. They, they do like all kinds of weird, bizarre things to control the mind, install screen memories. Like it's, it's just like, it seems like we're up against it when, it, when we're dealing with abductions, right? I know. I just moved up here to the mountains and I've been going hiking up here. And I will sometimes hike and go, gosh, darn David Pilates, because I'm kind of always paranoid. Um, and I was talking to James Keenan about that. And what they're finding is a lot of these places or portals that are opening are highly magnetic. So if you just take a compass with you, if the compass starts acting wonky, get the heck out of Dodge. Like, you know, get out of there, because I think that maybe something can open up like a portal's opening up or a craft's coming maybe um, something and another interesting thing we talked about on our show recently was this um 11 year cycle that it seems like there's certain regions where the activity will really heighten and then lessen and then heighten and then lessen and it tends to go with the cycle of like solar flares um how close the sun is to the earth oh artemis is going to talk <laughs> um mm -hmm. and so i think that's a fascinating field of study too I think there's so many different um, areas that are starting to open up. People are looking at the brains of abductees and contactees, which is really cool, you know? So I think we're learning, like you said, it's a time of, of great discovery and, and perhaps disclosure with all of us finally being able to work together, you know? I agree. And yeah. I, I want to get a little bit more into this, the, your second book that you're writing on this Colorado ranch. Can you talk a little bit more about like your connections to it, maybe Dr. Sprinkle's connections to it, and then what's exactly going on there without giving too much of your book away? Right. Um, I don't want to date myself, but this happened decades ago. And I think it's, it's a, a good um, segue into why history is important because you know these things are still occurring now out where this ranch is in Colorado and Albert County the activity isn't nearly as high as it was back when I was a young girl um, which makes me suspicious of what was going on out there at the time because it's really close to the Air Force Academy Camp Carson we know actually Camp Carson soldiers were out there we know NORAD was aware of it um, at a conference in Laughlin I actually talked to Richard Doty and asked him if he was aware of the uh, property. And Richard Doty said, yes, he was aware of it. 
So was Cheryl Costa. Um, so people were aware of this property, which makes me wonder what was going on out there at the time. Um, again, I think it was um, both paranormal and uh, military. I think both things were happening at the same time. So, um, but uh, yeah, we had everything from cattle mutilations, Bigfoot sightings, strange humming noises, things under the ground. Um, um, what else? Uh, ET sightings. Now I didn't see those, but the adults in the thing did so at, on the ranch did. And when um, John Schusler found out about my connection to the ranch, he gave me this huge briefing document that outlines everything that happened out there. Um, Artemis, it's okay. I don't know what he's barking, what she's barking at. Um, it's kind of, I had something fall over there and now she is really freaked out and you know how animal, animals perceive things. So they it's kind of freaking me out a little bit. Anyway, okay. Um, so yeah. You might have a ghost. I mean, Maybe. They can see them, right? Yeah, I know. She's acting really strange. Come here. And, and, you know, and that brings me to these blue orbs. So when I first started getting into this and researching the Colorado ranch, I had this basketball sized blue orb appear in the corner of my room. And thank goodness for journaling a tip for everybody out there. Please journal your experiences because we forget, you, you know, sometimes because I remember the blue orb. I remember waking up my husband at the time, um, but I had forgotten what woke me up in the first place. And what it was is I had uh, my sons were young and they played with Legos. See, she sees something over there. Uh, Artemis, come here. And uh, the Lego bucket fell over and that's what woke me up. And so after the Lego bucket woke up, in the corner of my room was this basketball-sized blue orb, which is really interesting. And they talked about it in that book. Artemis, it's okay. It's okay. So, what do you yeah. think these blue orbs are? Do you think they could be some kind of ET drone? Um, you know, in <laughs> I, I was fascinated in Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. Um, they talk about it maybe not even necessarily being something extraterrestrial, which kind of freaked me out a little bit because if it's something that we have. Why are they in my bedroom monitoring? So I felt like yeah. for sure, I felt like for sure it was something monitoring or watching. Um, I don't think it was there necessarily to harm me or help me. It, it felt indifferent, but it did have the ability to just boom and implode because when Steve woke up, I said, Steve, Steve, look at that. And he saw it for a second and it just went boom and it was gone. Wow. So I don't know what that, and it only happened that one time just the one time. I don't know what it was. And now I've heard people say like blue orbs can be healing orbs. Um, oh, and I've also heard the opposite that they can harm. So I don't, I don't really know, you know, I don't know what they were. That's, that's so amazing. Um, yeah. one, one of the last things I wanted to cover with you was, uh, you're, you're doing stuff on TV, which I think is really amazing. That's awesome. Um, you're on your travel channels, UFO witness. I have a story about that. Like I don't really watch much TV, but when mm -hmm. I, my internet was down, when I just moved into a new house, I turned on UFO witness and I was like, Holy heck. I was like, this is the same stuff I cover on my podcast. And it's an amazing show. And I just love that it's bringing the truth to the mainstream audience. Cause I think if we want to get acceptance in this field, we need to have shows like that hitting the mainstream. Right. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, I agree. And, and, you know, the funny thing about TV and it's entertainment, but I do have to say that, you know, that show got 90% of it right. And the things that they kind of elaborated on or 
are speculated on um, were not necessarily false. It was more like, we're just going to kind of tie in your piece so it kind of fits the whole program. And yes, it can be a little spe speculative. For example, they said um, the two interceptors that were in pursuit of a UFO that crashed, which actually happened in IFOIA and got data on that crash, um, that it was a tic-tac shape UFO, that was not accurate. It didn't say what shape the UFO was. So they kind of just added that to kind of tie in with the rest of the show. So you're always going to have that in any show that you watch, whether it's a ghost show or Bigfoot show, a UFO show, any show, because they're entertainment. But I do, I would have to say from my own personal story and my own experience with it, they got 90% of it right. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, good. But then and you like you said, the they, they make people interested. So that's good. Yeah, but then you can bring the raw data with your podcast with MUFON, right? That, right, I love exactly. That yeah, so I can go out there and say, well, this is where they speculated, and but most of it was correct, so that that was good. But I know other people that were on the show, and they had the same experience where, you know, they, for example, a friend of mine, um, instead of the picture of her when she was a little girl, they used a picture of her daughter, little things like that. But most people won't know that because they don't know them so it's like not a real big deal but yeah you know, those kind of so things interesting um yeah I, I don't have any other questions uh I, I, when, when actually i did want to ask you what are your thoughts on like I, this is off the topic but i you're a star investigator for move on so i mean you you have to tie have you tied near-death experiences together with the abductions and do you think that's all kind of happening in like a similar realm we talked about on that on my last show and i was like yeah. do you think that's just something with that you know, I, you know, I can't speak for MUFON on that because MUFON um, is kind of, you know, MUFON is a scientific nuts and bolts kind of organization. And I respect that. And that's why I stay with them because I do appreciate that side of it. But my findings, like I said earlier, are a lot of contactees and abductees go through a lot of near-death experiences, a, a lot of like psychic awareness. Um, you know, they're just, they're more in tune and awakened to certain um, different abilities that we have. Um, so I do believe that possibly they're connected. Um, and I have had people like in your last show that we're talking about where they have a near-death experience and they actually do have ET contact or CET. So I have, I've had, you know, interviews where people say that as well. So possibly, yes. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, well, if you could tell everybody where to find your um, website, where to find your books, where to find your podcast, and th thank you so much for doing this. This was amazing. Yeah. Oh, of course. It was my pleasure. Um, you can go to Katie, K-A-T-I-E, page, P-A-I-G-E dot net. And that is my website, and that'll lead you to the book and information on the ranch. And I will also be um, speaking this um, next month in a few weeks here at UFO Congress in Phoenix. So I hope to see people out there at UFO Congress. Wow, that's awesome. Well, again, thank you again. And uh, this, yeah, this was great. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Sorry about the dog and the paranormal experience. I don't know what the heck she's calming down now. So it just adds flair. It, it adds it adds to it. So, yeah. so, so all right. I'll let you know if anything else happens. Th <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. Okay.